Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy, who is of Sports Talk 90 down in Houston, Texas, as well as co-host of In the Trenches. He joins us now on the phone lines. And Chris, it's good to talk to you again, man. How's everything going? Going good, uh, John. Yeah, and uh, of course, I want to plug the uh, Locked On SEC podcast as well, rocking and rolling throughout the offseason. Talking tons of SEC football, basketball, baseball, everything. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. And uh, I was, I'm curious because you talked about baseball and we are talking about SEC baseball, that is, too. Arkansas fans feeling really good about how they're set up this season when it comes to a lot of the uh, preseason accolades and predictions. But we also know that they're in the SEC and in the SEC West, and it's going to be extremely difficult no matter who it is going up and in this conference. Yeah, no doubt. I'm actually going to put out on uh, tomorrow's podcast, I'm going to make my predictions for just so I see everything finishing. And, man, I, I really like Arkansas in the West. I, I think that they're loaded. I, I love the, the front-end rotation with Connor Nolan and, and Hagen Smith. And, you know, then you talk about the position guys. Robert Moore, I think, is a stud. Caden Wallace, too. And, you know, uh, Jalen Battles back at short. So, I, I'm excited, man. I know Dave Van Horn, he's such a good coach. But, um, you know, I would – if I'm picking teams to go to Omaha this year, I think the SEC is going to get a couple of them, and I think Arkansas is going to be one of those teams. So some of those players you mentioned there, those are known factors. The big unknown, it seems like, coming into every season is pitching, but also there are newcomers on this roster. What do you like about some of the newcomers on the roster? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Hagen Smith is, is an interesting one just because of you know what, what he brings. Um, you know, But I, I think, you know, I was talking with somebody, they were telling me about, I know he's not a newcomer, but Jackson Wiggins kind of, I think, improving himself in that Sunday role that he's going to be a guy that can solidify himself and uh, be a guy that they can lean on. And, I mean, that, that's the biggest question mark is we start to look around the SEC this year, and I was dissecting all the rosters. Man, position players and hitters, they are. I mean, every team is loaded. It's the pitching that's the big question marks with, with these teams. I mean, you know, there, there are teams that just named their Friday night starters this weekend, and there are a lot of teams that are like, yeah, we don't. No, we fully believe in them. There's a big question mark there. So I'd say this is the first time in a while where I feel like the SEC as a whole, where it's not absolutely loaded with those Friday night starters that, you know, are all going to be future big league, big league pitchers. Now, some of these guys will, the cream will rise to the top. You know, we'll see some of the big, na- the big arms and big names will establish themselves as the season goes along. But, yeah, it's not really what it was a year ago where you had all these you know, big-time Friday night starters that were just so dominant. Yeah, and the thing is about the SEC this year, too, is, like, you know, Arkansas was a team that went through it all, won every SEC series last year. We know they came up short. And then you got Mississippi State, the defending champions. Uh, That's what I love about baseball in the SEC is it's not like Alabama where in football where they just – they're the ones that's carrying the entire torch for the conference. You're talking about Mississippi State. You're talking about Florida. You're talking about South Carolina. You're talking about Vanderbilt. talking about LSU. You're talking about a lot of different teams – that have won national championships here recently, and then a bunch of other teams that are good enough to win a national championship. That's what makes this conference so much fun in baseball. Yeah, it's true. And, and you know, I was talking to somebody about the Alabama schools. You know, the Alabama and Auburn are not supposed to be very good this year, but they, they have enough talent that they could sneak up on you. And they, you know, if you're Arkansas and you're rolling, but suddenly you you play an Alabama team and you drop two out of three, it wouldn't be a surprise. So. Uh, no, it's it's so much fun top to bottom, and it's funny, you know, talking with a buddy of mine, we were talking about this MLB lockout, and 
if if it pushes the regular season back at all, I said, man, just put all the SEC baseball games on the big networks because, you know, it'll be just as exciting. And, I mean, in, in my opinion, honestly, a, a Friday night game between Tennessee and Vanderbilt, I'd ra- much rather watch that over, say, a Miami Marlins-Washington National Friday night game. So, you know, maybe he might have something there. With so many unknowns top to bottom with the pitching in this conference, who are you most confident in as far as what, what team with their pitching staff? I think Vanderbilt. I mean, they're they're just they're, Vanderbilt's loaded everywhere. Position players, pitching. You know, even you, you lose two high draft draft picks like you did last year with uh, you know with the two the two first round picks, and then you know you still end up bringing back a ton. So I think Vanderbilt's going to be just fine. They're they're, they're pretty loaded, but um, you know, I'll be interested to see. There's some good early season schedules like. I think Vanderbilt opens up with, with Oklahoma State this weekend, who's a top-10 team. So that's going to be a nice early-season test for them. Auburn's playing in the uh, that tournament over in uh, in Dallas where they'll be able to go up against some Big 12 teams. I think they're playing Texas Tech and a few other ones. And then in a couple weeks, we're going to get the college tournament in Houston where LSU is going to be in there and Texas A&M going up against some of the big dogs from the Big 12 like Texas. So it's going to be a good little like measuring stick to see where the SEC measures up to some of the other big conferences here in the next couple of weeks. I would say probably the big the Big Twelve is the most uh, you know comparable that could give the SEC a run for its money. But uh, it'll be good to see those teams perform early. But yeah, if like if I had to pick a team, like who, who do I think you know bet some money? Who do I think has the best chance to to win the national championship out of the SEC this year? It, Vanderbilt's the, the chalk. Speaking with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 as well as the Locked On SEC podcast here on Out of Bounds. Now, Chris, you brought up the Major League Baseball side of things, and I wanted to get your take because I know uh, you're down there and you watch a lot of Houston Astros as well as just Major League Baseball in general. But uh, with the news coming out here recently that there's been no progress made in those talks, like, are we going to have are we going to have baseball this year? Is the Major League Baseball people going to get it together and we're actually going to have a season this year? Or are you feeling pretty discouraged? Uh, the answer is yes. We will have a season. The question is, what will that season look like? Will it be shortened? Will it be delayed? Whatever. I think all that is on the table. I was told a few weeks ago by somebody in the know, they said, I think we start the season on time, but everything leading up to that is up in the air. And I thought it was pretty bush of Rob Manford to get up there uh, a couple of days ago in front of the media and say, yeah, I think at bare minimum, we need at least four weeks for spring training. That's, that's bull. I mean, like, anybody who watches spring trading knows two weeks in, you're like, all right, can we get the regular season started? This is stupid. Teams, teams start benching their regular starters. They're playing, like, the, the 85th guy on the roster. Like, it, it's just silly. Like, spring training can be two, two and a half weeks, and we can get the season going. So, I, I know that MLB's drop-dead date is coming in, a, in, I think, at 10 days, they said, is the date that they absolutely have to have things resolved to be able to still start the season on time. I'm still hopeful and optimistic that we start the regular season on time. I just think they need to, you know, if they come to, let's say they come to some kind of agreement late next week, I think they need to come to the table and say, look, let's get pitchers and catchers reported. Let's get position players reported. And, you know, frankly, we only need two and a half, three weeks of spring training games. We don't need a whole month. I I hope those conversations are had because it is, it's absolutely crazy. Like, no, who's buying, you know, tickets to go see spring training games in that fourth week? It's just absolutely nuts. We don't, we don't need that many games. With Major League Baseball, we know it's all based on negotiations. There's some give and take on both sides. What are the major hangups at this point that's keeping this deal from getting done? 
Well, the, to me, the biggest one is the years of arbitration. And, uh, you know, I know this sounds like nerd talk to some people out there, but, like, it really is. Like, when I, the, the team that I cover, the Astros, they did such a good job of drafting. And when they brought up their big stars like George Springer, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, what they were able to do was stagger the time when they bring them up, and then the clock starts once they get up there. But you know you're going to have them for a handful of years of arbitration and team control. What the players are arguing is, man, you know, let's say I spend three, four years in the minors and I finally get to the big leagues, I should be able to become a free agent within two years of getting to the big leagues so I can get one big payday, sign a big contract, and then get another big payday. What we're seeing right now is a guy like George Springer, he played with the Astros. By the time he hit free agency, he was already almost 30, and he got a big payday from the Toronto Blue Jays. But to to be honest, that's probably going to be his only big payday that he gets of his career. And so – I get it from the players' perspective. I get it from the owners' perspective. But, um, yeah, I just think the owners need to come to the table and at least explain what they think is fair. What we're not even getting is their side. It's them just saying, nope, that's a non-starter for us. And it's like, well, guys, we're never going to come to a resolution here. Chris, there's a few things more on Major League Baseball I want to ask you about just to get your opinion. It looks like the universal designated hitter is going to be a thing where there's no longer one league having a DH and the other one making their pitcher hit. Are you one of those that say, man, that I like having it separate, I like baseball being different, or are you fine with there being a universal designated hitter in Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean, for, for some opposing fans out there, the most irritating thing that they, that they ever have to endure is hearing, uh, is hearing uh, the call the hog for some people out there. I know they don't like that. That's the worst thing ever for me. Uh, one of the things that I hate, my top five hate list, is watching pitchers hit. I think it's stupid. I think it's archaic. Nobody wants to watch pitchers hit. hit. You know, every year when we get to the baseball, uh, to the World Series, you've got to watch the American team, uh, American League send a pitcher up there or you know, it's never, that doesn't hit, hasn't hit all year, and now he's got to take big at bats. It's stupid in every level of baseball, from little league to minor league to high school, college, uh, single-A, double-A, triple-A, every level of baseball, we have a DH. The only l- level of baseball where we have not had a DH is National League Baseball. I think it's dumb. I think it's stupid that we've gone this long with wa- having to watch pitchers hit, and I'm so I'm ecstatic that we're finally going to get a DH in both leagues because it's a long time coming. It creates more opportunities for uh, position players out there, or, you know, the, the big poppies, more, you know, guys who can make a whole career out of being a DH. And we don't have to watch, you know, people like Clayton Kershaw have to line up and try to bunt the ball. I think it's just, it's silly. We're not saying pitchers don't have to hit. I mean, if, if Zach Recky goes to a team and he wants to be a, a pinch hitter late in the game, sure, let him. But uh, it's just so stupid that we've had to watch for so long National League pitchers hitting games. For you, Chris, that's something that having a universal DH improves the game. What can Major League Baseball do to continue to improve the game? What are some other things you'd like to see change? Man, uh, I mean, they've already tried to speed up the games. I, I don't know what more you can do to, you know, to that. But that's the one gripe I hear from people so often is, man, the games are so long. Um, I think they can do a better job of getting their their star players out there. I'll tell you guys right now, you could be in whatever the, the big mall is in downtown Fayetteville. Mike Trout could walk in there and not one person would say a thing to him. Like, he is the biggest star in the sport. Shohei Otani could walk through the mall. Would anybody stop him? Would anybody know him by his face and say, hey, I know who you are? Um, I think Major League Baseball needs to do a better job of marketing their superstars because, you know, let's be honest, if we see 
Tom Brady or you know Joe Joe Burrow or whoever walked down the street, we're going to know who that guy is. Major League Baseball, I just feel like, does not market their stars enough. So that's one thing. Uh, like I said, I don't know what you can do to speed up the games. Maybe shorten the season. I know the, the purists aren't going to like that, but 162 games is a lot of games. Uh, so maybe that could be part of it, too. But, yeah, outside of that, I think they just need to figure this thing out, man. We need to get back into playing some baseball here real soon. Yeah, you mentioned the marketing of players and stuff. That's something to me that should it should be so easy. It should be so easy to do. It shouldn't be something that you have to be told to do or anything because, you know, like you mentioned, when the NFL and then the NBA, it's like you know the stars. Even if you don't watch the games, you know the stars. But in baseball, like, has it just been because of the lack of discussions on, you know, sports shows on television nationally? Has it been lack of social media presence? Like, what's been the reason why they haven't marketed their stars where there are some really big-time stars in baseball? Well, I think, like, the the Yankees have always done a good job. Like, we've always known the Derek Jeters and, you know, all the guys, the, the uh, Mariano Rivera's and those guys, because they play at, at 6 o'clock Central Time, you know, in our time zone or, you know, 7 o'clock Eastern. I think it's been a lot harder with the West Coast guys, with the Dodgers and with the, the Angels. Uh, I, I brought up Mike Trout and those guys. They play on the West Coast. Most of their games are starting at 9 p.m. Central. Uh, there's not a lot of kids staying up late to watch those games. And that's another part of it too, outside of ESPN or MLB network for those who subscribe, like it's hard to see the game. I mean, Fox, Fox does a game of the week on Saturdays, but like, it's just, there's so many games and yet it's still so hard. You got to subscribe to the the MLB TV package and you got to go to the right sports bar that has the right package. You know, it's just, it does make it a little bit restrictive and a little bit harder to get games. I mean, there's still, I live in Houston, and there is still, if you have Dish Network, you can't watch Astros games because they don't subscribe to the regional sports network. I just think it's absolutely crazy that there's, this is still a thing. In L.A., they had a big thing with Spectrum Sports where you couldn't get Dodgers games. So I just feel like baseball just gets in its way so many times with some of these business deals where it's like, man, try, are you really trying to expand your sport? Because it seems like you're hurting your sport more than helping it. Shohei Otani is a guy who pitches and hits. You think he's the best player in the game? And if if not, give us uh, who you think on both sides of that. Who's the best hitter in the game? Who's the best pitcher in the game? Yeah, he is. I mean, it's, it's, I got to see him a handful of times last year. It's unreal how good a guy like that is. You know, we, we've seen a college baseball guys. Like, every now and then there will be a guy. I remember a couple of years back, LSU was playing Virginia in, in Omaha, and they had a guy, I forget his name, uh, Danny something or other, but he was – it was a starting pitcher, and he was a you know starting hitter. And uh, you know, in days where he wasn't pitching, he was in the lineup hitting. And it's like, man, that's just so tough to do. And we rarely see that in the college ranks anymore, let alone in the pros. And so I, I can't say, you know, I, I can't even uh, express how ridiculous it is what Shohei Otani did last year. And it's going to be really special if this guy continues to do both at an elite at an elite level. But yeah, he's the most fun to watch. I mean, it was really fun watching the. You know, the, I'll cover the Astros. Seeing them lose to the Braves wasn't fun. But seeing that Braves team win, the young guys and the, the, the talent that, that they have on that roster and a lot of a lot of former SEC stars, too, uh, throughout a lot of these rosters, uh, that was a lot of fun to see. So I, I think like the, the future of baseball is bright, but, man, they just have a lot of things that they need to clean up. Yeah, speaking of, since you're down there in Houston, how are uh, how, how's how's the Texans and everything with their situation going on, man? Because I know that it's been uh, it was a rough season, it was a rough off season, but what's the latest with the Texans, man? With coaching changes, quarterback situations, and all that. 
Oh, it's super exciting. I mean, you hired a 67-year-old head coach, <laughs> David Tully, less than a year ago, and then you fire him, not even a full year into his tenure, and then all you do is promote his 60-year-old uh, defensive coordinator in, in Lovey Smith. I mean, none of this makes any sense. Nobody knows what they're doing. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson continues to still be on the roster. He'll be paid $40 million plus this year. Uh, they're still going to try to trade him, but he's got to get his legal issues resolved. It's just it's a mess down here, guys. They're going to pick third overall. You know, I heard so we had a caller call in today who was trying to sell us on, man, trade back and get Traylon, get Traylon Burks, so let's get a weapon for uh, for Davis Mills at quarterback. And I, I said, man, just that, listen to how depressing that, that sentence sounds. Like, that's just – that's full-on depression here in Houston football. So, yeah, that's where we are, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. You think that situation with Deshaun Watson gets resolved before or after the draft? I think it'll get resolved before. I talked to a few people in the know who said a couple of these cases are, are pretty flimsy. They think most of them will get either thrown out. A few of them will probably get settled, and, and it'll kind of move on. But certainly not a good look when uh, you got a guy. I mean, look, it's one thing if it's one or two women came out and said, yeah, he hired me for a massage and asked for something else. It's another creepy thing when you got 22 of them coming out and saying, yeah, this is what he did. So, it's weird, it's odd, but I still think that, you know there's so many teams out there that need elite-level quarterbacks that they're willing to look past this and uh, bring him in. So if he's able to get it all resolved and they don't end up trading him, obviously they're going to roll with him down there in Houston, it seems like. But if he's able to play, what I mean, is it something that they could actually make something out of it or is it still pretty pretty dicey when it comes to what the roster looks like and everything? Well, he's already made it known that he does not want to play for the Texans. I mean, this was before all the the uh, massage allegations and all that came out. So even if he gets those cleared, he still does not want to be a Houston Texan. Here's the problem. He has a no-trade clause. So wherever the Texans try to trade him, let's say they get a call from the Detroit Lions and they say, hey, we're going to give you the number two pick in this year's draft and a future first for Deshaun Watson. They can't trade him without Deshaun's approval. And so that's what makes this thing so difficult i mean there is a scenario guys where the texans will pay him 40 million a year 40 million this year to sit on the roster and there's a chance where he sits out another year and you know sits out a second consecutive year not playing football one of the best talents in the nfl might have to sit out a whole another year it's just crazy chris there's no way that happens that that does not happen like you said there's a scenario that it happens but there's no way there's no way that the texans can be that inept to not get something done with him well but again i think the problem is they can't they've got to do what's right by the, the texans like they can't trade him for pennies on the dollar like let's say the, the broncos call and say hey we'll give you a two second round pick well they're not going to take that because you know it's that, that they can't take him for anything less than at least one or multiple first but what if Deshaun comes out and says i'll only waive my trade clause for the denver broncos i mean what do you do there you, you have do you, are you forced into making a bad trade so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. This will be, the, you know, a, a big storyline to follow over the next 60 days because, like I said, I do think he's traded before draft night. But in the same token, like, they can't sell him for less than he's worth. Hmm. Well, it makes for great uh, Sports Talk Radio content and uh, constant conversations down there in Houston, Chris. That is for sure, man. But, hey, we appreciate you coming on, man. I know you're the jack of all trades, talking all sorts of baseball, football, all that fun stuff. But uh, have a good weekend, man, and I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Appreciate it, guys. And just to remind your listeners, you can check out my uh, Locked on SEC podcast, LockedOnSEC.com. I had a fun conversation a couple weeks ago with Joe Fouché talking about 
his decision to leave Arkansas for LSU. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners will really be excited to hear his, uh, his side of the story. 